Good morning everybody. Uh, today is Sunday the 20th of September. Uh, my name is Matthew Luff and this is St John's Church's uh, virtual series uh, today. We've been looking through the book of Acts and we're asking questions about uh, is the church powerful? How is its message getting across? And today I want to look at um, a really interesting passage about how can we cope uh, when there are challenges against us. So as the story of the church unfolds, are there things that we can learn uh, to look at together? Just a couple of little bits of housekeeping. Uh, tomorrow, as you know, will be uh, Roy Lewin's funeral. Do please pray uh, for us and the family and, of course, quite restricted uh, access uh, to the service. But do please bear us all in mind and in prayer together. That would be really helpful and appreciated. Uh, this afternoon we've got an Alpha service in St John's, so uh, if, you're, if you're mindful, uh, <laughs> do pray for that as well. And also tonight we've got a Bible study. Mike Wilson will be continuing our quest to understand the book of Galatians and the questions that that throws out as well. So that's really, yeah, that's really quite a lot going on, actually. So uh, do be careful. Um, on Monday also, uh, the scaffolding, uh, sorry, Tuesday, uh, the scaffolding is coming down. So we think it's probably best to close the church uh, for private prayer then, just for everybody's safety. Hope that's okay and you all understand those, uh, those things. I'm going to begin this morning by reading from uh, Psalm uh, 8, uh, as we think about the things that God has done for us, uh, the things that he wants uh, to hold us, us to hold on to. So I'm going to read from Psalm 8 before we begin. Just a few verses to remind ourselves the ancient praise of God's people. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. Father, as we gather this morning and we consider the work and the life of the church in the world, a world that's changing in so many ways, we pray that you would equip us for your purposes, for we are the work of your hands. Amen. Our reading uh, this morning continues the story through Acts chapter 4 and begins at verse 23, which you can follow um, on, in your own Bibles at home if you wish. We remember that Peter and John have been uh, arrested by the Sanhedrin and brought in to uh, be told off uh, and warned about preaching the name of Jesus. And so we continue on their response. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, 
whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, in response to that passage, or in looking at that passage, I just wanted to focus on that one little phrase there. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. The opposition from the Jewish Sanhedrin shouldn't really have come as a surprise, but until this point, the disciples and the early church had enjoyed the favour of the people. At the end of Acts chapter 2, we discover that God is being really good to them and, and lots of things are happening and it all looks like it's going swimmingly. But now criticism and scepticism were gathering around and the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the Jewish council uh, had ordered Peter and John not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. And we looked at that uh, a bit last week. It was a difficult decision for them because they knew they couldn't deny this man had been healed, but they had also you know, refuted Jesus' Jesus's claims to be the Son of God. So they were in a bit of a bind. But from the church's point of view, it may have made them nervous or uncertain about what might happen next. Here was actually direct opposition. I suppose most of us are used to people saying, that's all right for you or not for me, or, or even something more unpleasant, you know, derogatory. But here the whole church was being told, you can't do that. Uh, and we should take encouragement from history that when the churches are told not to do that, they tend to grow. Um, you only have to look at the spread of churches in the, and Christianity in China uh, and in other places where it's been oppressed, uh, where, where actually people are questioning and decide that this is what they'd rather have. But from the point of view of, of sort of Christians, people in the church, um, they could have felt really sort of battened down. You know, we've got a bunker mentality at the moment. Things were going so well, and why would God let this happen? What's going on? So it could, you know, change your thinking uh, and, and start, you know, it's a little bit of opposition, isn't it? And sometimes we find that off-putting. So because we're in a, you know, you know, because of these things, uh, we're in a difficult situation, I thought it'd be good to have a look at some of the points uh, that this little passage helpfully, <laughs> in its timing, um, manages to give us. And there are three little things. Um, they raised their voices. They raised their voices. In verse 24 onward, they actually speak out about the situation. I don't know what your prayer life is like, uh, but in this, uh, maybe you've got a list of things, or maybe you spend so much time uh, talking to God about how great he is, you forget to sometimes say, oh, and by the way, there's this issue. Sometimes we sort of fail to get to the point and land the plane. Um, but here, they acknowledge the challenges that they face. They remind, they tell God, look, you know, Herod and Pontius Pilate had conspired with the Jewish leaders and had plotted with the Gentiles against Jesus. In fact, Jesus had been, had been crucified uh, and still the people were plotting against Jesus because they don't acknowledge God as sovereign. So they're laying out the issues. They're saying, this is what's going on. 
you know it and I know it. So let's, 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 let's bring these things together. So it's okay. You know, I think it's good to state the obvious. They implored the Lord. They asked him, consider their threats. Now we know that God knows. But by prayer, we're, we're joining in something. But what I like about this is that they're, they're, they're saying how it is. I wonder if you're really able to say how it is. Sometimes there's an enormous elephant in the room, isn't it? It's an awful phrase, but there's an elephant in the room and nobody's prepared to talk about it, or like the emperor's new clothes. Nobody mentions it. We sort of dance around it. Sometimes we just need to be able to say, you know what, it's tough. And here the church is confident to say, God, here comes more, here comes opposition, and, and here comes some of it, but we're, we're coming to you with it. We're, we're talking about it with you. And I think that's really, really helpful. We can feel the same today. We can feel the same because things are not what they should be and we're not sure what they will be. And personally, I'm not sure that they will ever be what they were. I think, think change is in the wind and, and you know we're not sure. We are dealing with uncertainty. In fact, we're in that place now where we know what things were and we know, we suspect that something will change, but we're not sure what it will change to. It's actually one of the worst places uh, to be. It's quite tough. If you're at work at the moment, you've got so many pressures on you uh, that you're not sure, where will this end up? Will I be forced to go back to work? Will I be forced to commute? Or will they see that there's some flexibility? We're just so uncertain at the moment. And that's the difficulty with this sort of change. But here, they talk about it. They talk about this uncertainty. God had sort of, over last time, Pilate and Herod had uh, conspired against the church. It looked like they had won. And there was a lot at stake there. What would this, would the same thing happen to them? You know, you can imagine the uncertainty. Where we are now, we have the privilege of thousands of years of the church being persecuted and surviving. But they did it by turning to God and say, consider their threats. Look to your people. And so it's really good. And I would encourage us to, to speak out the different things that are going on. God has been faithful to his people through slavery, famine, exile, war, all sorts of things, all sorts of persecutions have not stopped the church. So they raised their voices together. They raised their voices and said, look at what's going on. They articulated, they spoke out, they talked about um, what was going on. And I wonder if you're doing that. In one of those uh, virtual conferences uh, recently, um, I was put into one of those little breakout rooms and they, you know, and they, we were told to ask one another how we were. Now, I can be a bit flippant at times. So um, somebody said, so how are you getting on? And I said, well, I'm an introvert. When are the other three leaving? Because of my wife and two sons who were, who were at home at the time. And, and you know, it's being, it's being silly. And we all cope about, with these things in different ways. But actually, the point is I was asked. And what I, what I love about this this thought that they didn't just raise their voices they raised their voices together they prayed they raised their voices together uh, about what was going on there was a unity a bond uh, that held them together they yeah they all believed the same things but they were they were in the same place here they were they were worshiping together they were doing stuff together and that's one of the most challenging things for us at the moment but doing stuff together however we can do stuff together is going to help. It's going to help that we can talk to each other 
uh, but it can also help that we will be united in prayer. Nobody in the early church faced these challenges alone. Imagine if you were Peter and John and you've just been booted out of the court and told never to preach about Jesus again. Well, you know, it's hugely encouraging, isn't it, to have a bunch of people around you saying, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, we can. Our God is good. And that's important to look out for one another. And we know that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But we sometimes need somebody to remind us. So doing stuff together is really important. And you'll have picked up, I hope, in the daily updates and maybe through your home groups, that I think it's really important. It will be healthy for us as we head into a winter that could be really uncertain. We head into a winter together. So if you're not already, think about forming, making an agreement to meet with somebody, maybe two people, or, or, or meeting with members of your home group, social distancing and rule of six, etc. Uh, just to make sure that you're regularly in touch with people because we are a body of Christ together and, and being cut off from that is where isolation and despair um, sink in. One of you very wisely reminded me there's a big difference between being alone and lonely and I think that's really helpful. I, I think that's really helpful but we don't want to be lonely and we know enough about each other and we mostly have telephones and it's okay to meet quite, you know, it's okay to meet at the moment. So um, why not uh, find ways in which you could meet with somebody, talk with somebody and keep them going? I know the pastoral team are doing a great job, uh, but I think there's lots of, lots of us who aren't in that kind, of, uh, that kind of contact with people. So we face challenges together. This church was united. They didn't just raise their voices, they raised their voices together. They were on one mind about this. They were, they were sharing what was going on. They were sharing their concerns, sharing uh, their confidence. And finally, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They reminded themselves of God's greatness. That's the, that's the start uh, of everything, isn't it, really? Rather than the size of the problem, they focused on God's greatness. Pilate and Herod were but two men with hired muscle at their disposal, and they had failed to contain God's plans. They thought they dealt with Jesus, but guess what? He came back. Death can't deal with him. They couldn't deal with him. The, Sandri the Sanhedrin are an even smaller outfit. So they're going, although what they said to Peter and John might seem intimidating, they were small change compared to the majesty and sovereign authority and the resources of God. There is nothing that we can think of that God hasn't got a solution for. We might not like the solution, we might be afraid of the solution, but he's got a solution, he can get us through. And the brilliant thing about God, brilliant thing about God, because if you're thinking about suffering, the great thing about God, the God of G the Father of Jesus Christ, is that he goes through the suffering with you and he knows about suffering. So that's really important that we can have confidence in God who can overcome all these things in the end. So if we focus on God, um, we can focus on his, uh, his, his brilliant light. The, the, the beginning of John's Gospel, the prologue, uh, says that darkness couldn't overcome the light of the world. And when we look at things in Jesus, in the light of Jesus' brilliance, well, you know, we can see our problems in a different light. But if we focus on how big the problem is, and, and if you're brilliant, like if you're like me, you can catastrophize really well, um, then suddenly the problem consumes everything you can see. But if we focus on God, the problem takes on a different shade. 
and we find actually compared to God we can deal with this. And, and so the church was prepared to focus on God and they call in. They praise God for his mighty arm to save. They, they call upon his strong arm, his empowering spirit, the name of Jesus Christ. They, they remember the signs and wonders and miracles that were the story of, of, of God with his people. And they focus on those. And that's brilliant. So I wonder um, what challenges we're all facing. Uh, we, the weeks ahead, uh, and the day ahead um, even, what are the challenges we're facing and, and how are we focusing on it? What are we focusing on? Are we waiting to see what God would do? Or are we looking to our own resources? Are we sharing what's going on for us and saying, you know what, I could do with some prayer for this. I'd really like to share how this is going for me right now. That's not a bad thing. And we remind at the end of this little passage, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. How fantastic. Be quite good fun, wouldn't it, really, to see a few churches crumbling because God said, I'm here, you, I'm all you need. <laughs> and so there's this wonderful, powerful acknowledgement that prayers had been heard and that God himself was present. And the Holy Spirit filled the church again. It refreshed them. He refreshed them for the challenge ahead. And they knew that they would eventually overcome. And we are the proof of that. <laughs> We're the evidence of that. The words of the Sanhedrin didn't stop the gospel reaching us. And nothing else has, because God wants his word to achieve his purposes. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you you have made your will known, and that you alone have the power to heal and save. And we ask that you help us to see your hand in our lives. We ask that we may also, at this time, have courage and remember to reach out to those we know who do not yet know you or your love. Amen. We have a time of prayer together and I'll conclude afterwards with the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are free to bring our prayers and petitions to you today and that you are always ready to hear us. Today is the closest Sunday to the UN International Day of Peace, so our prayers this morning will largely be focused on the theme of peace. In our scripture reading this morning, the Apostle Peter quoted from Psalm 2, Why do the nations rage? And as we look at the world around us, we see turmoil and tribulation on every side. We pray for all those who are working to further the cause of peace. And this morning our prayers are specifically asked for Peter Marsden and Concordis, seeking to promote peace and reconciliation in several areas of Africa. We pray that their efforts will bear fruit, that the negotiators will be kept safe, and that peace and justice will be the result of their work. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for the work and witness of your church throughout the world. And we pray now especially for the church serving in those areas affected by war, famine, the refugee situation, and areas of natural disaster such as those affected by hurricanes, floods and fires. Father, you have called your church to shine as a beacon of light in the midst of this dark and needy world. And so we pray that we all may be bearers of light and peace, wherever we are called to serve you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. When we think of our own nation, we also see discord and disharmony in many areas of our life. And so we pray for all those in authority, both national and local, that they will make wise decisions, even though they may be difficult or unpopular, and that those decisions will benefit all our citizens. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who are working within our local community, including the parish councillors, teachers and school staff, carers, and all who help to make this a good place to live. We pray that we may do our share by making them feel appreciated and we pray that we may all live together in peace in this community of Southbourne. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we remember before you, our loving Heavenly Father, all those who at this time are unwell, sad or grieving the loss of a loved one. We pray especially for Kath and her family and we thank you for every remembrance of your servant Roy whose funeral takes place tomorrow. In a moment or two of silence let us each bring before our loving Father any whom we know to be in need of his loving, healing touch. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, we pray for ourselves, that in each of our lives we may know the love joy and peace that comes from being part of the great family of God the Father, blessed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and rejoicing in the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done, on earth 
as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. If you are um, sharing an agape meal at home together today, um, then I have a reading uh, to help you and also a time of confession before we gather. Thinking about today's reading. O King enthroned on high, filling the earth with your glory, holy is your name. Lord God Almighty, in our sinfulness we cry to you to take our guilt away and to cleanse our lips to speak your word through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. And if you're sharing bread and wine at home, these are helpful words. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This then is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Amen. And so we close with the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.